Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder here at Generations Church, and with me as always is my friend and the lead pastor at Generations, Jeff Ludington. How you doing, Jeff? I am doing well this morning. I'm excited to get to this topic. I like them all. I do, to be fair. Uh, the last couple have been heavier topics. They, they speak to people in sometimes some of the hardest places they're in. Uh, today is more relevant to every Christian, and so I'll let you tee that up in a second. But I did want to say this. If you listen, and maybe you listen uh, like I do. I use Apple Podcasts. I know other people use Spotify, different, different places to cast your pods, as Pastor Vinny would say. Uh, but we also post these on social media. Oftentimes on Facebook, there will be a dialogue around this. If you have questions or want to ask a question or comment or share, by all means, jump in on that. Great. Yeah, we'd love to hear from the people who are, are listening um, and answer any questions we can on that. So our question for today, if you're just joining us, we're doing a series called Questions from the Classroom. Uh, school's just about to start. Mm. This is my 14th year of teaching over at Valley Christian High School. I teach um, math and then some Bible classes. Last right. year I had all the sophomores. Last year was your first year. You had all the seniors. Yep. And so we collect a lot of questions from students. And just... I'm now the old veteran. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Second year does not make you a veteran. Nice try though. <laughs> the hazing will still continue. So here's the question this week. Um, one of our students asked, how can you tell if you're more than just a lukewarm Christian? And and the implication of that is, is you know, as a Christian, how should we be different than the world around us? What, what kind of uh, marking should we be looking for? And the term lukewarm is only really used in, in Revelation, Jesus speaking to the seven churches and talking to the church specifically in Laodicea. So we're going to go straight to that because I figure that's where the student's getting this from. Fair enough. Revelation 13, we'll just start with the beginning of it, 14 through 16. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So I've heard this passage used quite a bit. Youth pastors love to use this passage. Yeah. Um, pastors talk about it. I've heard it described a couple different ways. Some will say that hot is good, sure. cold is also good, lukewarm is not. Others will say that hot, Jesus is using this comparison, hot is good, cold is bad, lukewarm is somewhere in the middle. Right. So how would you define lukewarm in this passage? Yeah, I get the, I get the question, you know, it's, it's uh, we're recording this, it's, you know, just after 8.30 in the morning, I've got a cup of coffee, it's hot, that's the goal, right? But today it's going to be like 90 degrees out and, and uh, hot coffee is not the thing. And so a lot of people drink iced coffee, I don't necessarily do that, but nothing in the middle is good right the the you know if you've got iced coffee and it's watered down and warm that's probably not good if you've got hot coffee you made sits too long and it's just warm it's not as good so i get the idea um, and in laodicea there were these streams of water hot and cold that would flow in through this city and it made this one place where it would gather and kind of be lukewarmish right it wasn't cool water for drinking it wasn't hot water for uh you know like kind of almost therapeutic um uh, but in this setting, it's a, it's a commitment, right? It's, it's if you're cold, you're not committed. If you're hot, you're committed. And so it is using cold as the negative, hot as the good, and lukewarm as a bad thing. 
And so when we talk about this, we're asking, are you in with Jesus, fully committed, or are you not? And if you're halfway in, you're straddling the fence, not good. Now, that would never be, hey, if you're an atheist, totally cool, right? That's not going to be the right answer. We're aiming for hot. But uh, in this setting, what we're really going to ask is, are you committed to Jesus? Are you committed to your faith? You're kind of halfway in, halfway out. All right. So again, looking at the next passage, talking to the church, he's writing to the church in Laodicea. And he says, for I, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So it's this idea that they think they're set. And Jesus said, you're focused on the wrong thing. Uh, For me, when we were talking a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. it reminded me of the warnings that were given to the Israelites as they were about to enter the promised land. Like you're relying on God now. He's giving you your daily bread. Once you get into the land, the warning is you're going to have everything you think you need. So you may ignore your God. You may stop stop relying on him. Now, you and I talked about this and, and you said the difference is these are people who were born in the promised land. These are people who were born into a right. situation where they already had it all, what they thought they needed, and they stopped depending on God. Yeah, and, and so if you're, let's just say you're listening and you know nothing about Scripture, right? If you just, this is brand new and you stumbled upon this and for whatever reason you haven't turned it off yet. Um, Laodicea is one of the wealthiest churches 2,000 years ago in the first century, Asia Minor, uh, John, the Apostle John, had pastored and, and shepherded these churches. In the opening uh, three chapters of Revelation, uh, chapter one's about Jesus revealing himself to John. Chapters two and three are the addressing to the seven churches that the letter, Revelation is a letter, we call it a book, but a letter written to those churches, describing Jesus, the ascended, glorified Jesus, and a glimpse into uh, the eternity of heaven and and earth. And so uh, this is, of the seven, the wealthiest church. It is the most independent people. In fact, Laodicea was known in the first century to have had a massive earthquake in the city. And when others, you know, Ephesus, Smyrna, whoever it was, others offered to help them, uh, you know, financially to rebuild, they said they had it handled. They had uh, an established banking system. They were well known for manufacturing of wool, which gave them kind of a fashion industry, if you will, a clothing industry. Uh, And they had a medical school that produced a famous eye ointment of the day. And so uh, they were very dependent. It reminds me of us in America, for sure. We're probably most like Laodicea. And that's, I'm sure, not true in every pocket of America. But we're in, you know, you live in Orange County. I live in L.A. County. We border each other, right? Our city, I mean, our church is on the, the border of those two counties. And we're known for our wealth. I mean, L.A., Orange County is known for wealth, right? Not that you and I are, you know, gazillionaires, but that area is known for high levels of wealth and predominant in the fashion industry and medicine. Uh, You know, Orange County, Hogue Hospital, L.A. County, like, you know, USC Medical. I mean, just some amazing things. And so we can often become super dependent upon the world we live in for our daily needs, food and, and clothing and money and, and you know even medical, our health. And Jesus is critiquing that directly. So he tells them, here's your issue. You're dependent upon the world you live in. You think you're independent of me. Let me tell you, you're pitiable, right? Like I take pity on you for your understanding. You're wretched. 
and you're poor, you're naked, you're blind. And so he calls them out, directs it at the things that they depend on, and then he gives them a solution. You, you, you want to kind of give us the answer, the antidote to the issue. So continuing on in verses 18 and 19 of Revelation 3, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline to be zealous and repent. So I think the question, how do I know if I'm more than just a lukewarm Christian, almost requires some self-reflection, some some time to reflect on our relationship with God and just ask that question, what am I depending on? Like, am I going to God first? Whether it's a time of need, whatever it happens to be, Am I going to God first, or am I exhausting every other possibility, everything that I can try to solve the problem myself, yeah. or with the help of, you know, the culture around me, and then I go to God last? Yeah, I was challenged by a friend. It was a long time ago, uh, you know, fifteen-ish years ago, and uh, he had uh, he had four kids that he had raised, and and a wife, obviously, and and um, he just talked about that. That you know, humanity and I mean, just Americans in general uh, will get sick, and and I you know I think of myself, I get a you know a little flu or a cold or something like that, and I turn to you know Dayquil or Nyquil or whatever the appropriate recipe is. Uh, but I don't I don't often pray first. Like I go to the aspirin in the medicine cabinet kind of thing. Uh, and he was just saying that they were very prayerful around their health, and they were very healthy. Now they could have been very healthy no matter what, but they were very pr- uh, prayerful about that very they viewed themselves as very dependent upon god for their own health and and i'm not sure well i know for sure back then it resonated with me of how dependent i am on western medicine and i I don't think that western medicine is bad i think god has given us that we're blessed with that in the u.s but i will say that i don't you know get the sniffles get a cough get something and i don't first pray you know if i'm if i'm being really honest i don't uh when i have a need um you know I go to the store and buy it or, or get on Amazon and buy it, whatever I do, but it's based on, you know, my income or what I have, my ability to achieve it. And I, I think that creeps into our spiritual life a bit. If you have enough, you tend to not think about God as your supply. You think about your job as your supply. Even if you're in ministry, uh, you know, you just kind of think of, you know, here's, here's how much I make, here's what kind of car I can afford, blah, 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 right? And so there's a, a move that Jesus calls us to and he directs his issues, he directs his, you know, clothing, riches, and, and uh, blindness or their self uh, at them. And so we have to ask, okay, what is it we depend on? I think one American dependence that the church is incredibly guilty of, and I say this neutral on all sides, but we depend on politics for our solution. You know, trying to vo- vote in the next moral, ethical thing we believe in, whether that be, you know, for the for the migrants or for the treatment of the LGBT community or for our ethics and marriage or for, you know, abortion, you know, uh, you know, right to life kind of things or, you know, heartbeat law, whatever it is. We truly in the church today in America believe that we can solve spiritual issues, the brokenness inside of humanity legislatively and, and that our you know, and, and people that are Democrats, people that are Republicans, both tend to think their party represents Jesus very well, and I, I suggest that that's not true. Um, and so do we depend on the resources we have, the solutions we have, be that politics, be that money, job, health, 
medicine, whatever it might be, do we depend on that or, or do we really turn and shift our lives and become dependent upon Jesus? Maybe that's going to be not health or other things. Maybe it's going to be uh, yeah, all, a, a whole host of things. Where do we turn first? When we get up in the morning, is it God that we place central to our life? Or is it everything else and then we try and fit God in if we have time? Right. So we, we kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, um, you know, just that, that idea of how should we be different from the world around mm -hmm. us as a Christian. Um, being dependent is not really seen as a positive in mm -hmm. our society. It's true. Right. You can do this. You got this. Right. You know, it's all about about your your being encouraged to do it yourself. Live your best life. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And so for a lot of us, this is this is a struggle. And sometimes we even we even give our credit to God and say, well, I can do this because I've got plenty of money because right. God has blessed me. And so we start to spiritualize it. Yeah. We start yeah. to focus on the things that, that God has given us as opposed to focusing on him, you know, as focusing on God himself. So how do we connect this with, with today? Yeah, I, if I could move away from things, you know, politics, money, health, all those things, if I can move away from things and give us a, a practical assessment, uh, here is something I hear a ton from people that we would call mature Christians as well as uh, people that we would say are not mature Christians or maybe not Christians, and I, I hear almost no difference upon that spectrum. And it's this, it's, uh, we posted an episode recently uh, about a topic and, and the, the comment led off with, well, I think blah, blah, blah about the topic. Not, not I see scripture teaching this or, hey, what about this passage of scripture? It wasn't a, a biblical wrestle with the conversation. And it wasn't even a big disagreement, by the way. It wasn't a bad comment. Uh, I can think back just a few weeks ago, I met with a woman who, uh, she came out as uh, same-sex attracted to me uh, and and not attracted to you, not attracted to me, bro. And nobody <laughs> attracted to me, man. I'm short and overweight and old. So anyhow, uh, but no, she is. Uh, she's a woman who's attracted to other women, and she came out, told me that, and was asking about that. And the summary, really, of her her takeaway isn't, "Hey, I see this in scripture," you know, as a, as, as for or against my conclusion, but rather, I think God is love. God wants me to be happy. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's, if we are leading our lives with what we think God is without a bearing for what God is saying, we tend to be in that camp where God believes all the same things we do, right? And, and, and God doesn't really contradict us much. And so I think a metric we can all use, every one of us, because we all have lukewarm tendencies, if I could just say it that way, is does God speak to us regularly to correct us? right? I don't mean just correct us. I, of course, God loves us and encourages us and, and strengthens us, of course. But inside the gospel, the entire idea of the gospel is admitting, hey, I'm a sinful human being. I'm broken. I'm doomed apart from Christ. And that Christ has come and lived in a way that I don't live. He then died for me because the only thing I could do is forever die and be separated from God. But Jesus died in my place. He covers my sin. His resurrection gives me new life. His spirit empowers me to make change. The entire sanctification process is a process of change. It's lifelong, will never be perfect. And so God is continually calling us to become more like Jesus. So does your God, does your faith constantly, and I just want to say correct or uh, yeah, call you to transformation? 
And if you are, that doesn't mean you won't have times of great change and times where you even go backwards. That doesn't mean you're lukewarm. It just means, are you settled? Maybe have you plateaued in your faith? Or does your version of your faith just encourage you and tell you, hey, God loves you. God wants you to be happy. If that w that's what makes you happy, it's okay. I believe this. I believe that. Or is it weighted and, you know, kind of have a bearing in Scripture? Yeah, so a great, great question from this student and, and something, as you said at the beginning, we all need to hear. Um, we got a minute or two left. Did you want to wrap this up with what, how that passage ends? Because a lot of times people misunderstand yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and, and this is a, a bit of a, uh, a Bible nerd pastoral uh, kind of pet peeve, if you will. But this, this passage is often quoted, verse 20 is often quoted. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That verse is used often as an evangelistic outreach, as if Jesus is standing at the door of your heart, he's knocking, he wants to invite you into being a Christian, he'll eat with you. And that's not the worst interpretation in the world. It's not the worst, or let's call it, let's call it this. It's not the worst application of that verse in the world. It's not like heresy. But what I want people to hear is that's Jesus speaking to the church. He is speaking to those who profess to be Jesus, to be Christian, excuse me, those who profess to follow Jesus, and he's portraying himself as outside the church wanting to come in. And so I am often uh, critical internally, right? What I mean by that, when I'm teaching on a Sunday or whatever we're doing, you'll hear this in the podcast, I want to be critical of us, us as Christians, not the world we live in, because the world we live in just needs Jesus. But the church, where are we off track? And, and Jesus here in the, with the church in Laodicea critiques them and says, listen, I'm outside. Hey, let me in the church. So it's not just this evangelistic Jesus wants to come in. It's a church lukewarm needs to be changed. The church needs to be different. Kind of let me in. Right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll finish right there. But just what a man, when you think about that, what a heart wrenching picture that is of Jesus wanting to come into your church right and, of all and, places where he should and you're be you're locking him out yeah. <laughs> and like no we yeah. got this we got this we're good yeah <laughs> everything's well the the you know our budget's good it's everything's okay man well. there's enough money in the plate jesus stay out there i'll call you when we go broke or i'll call you when we need something yeah and that's and that's an overstatement that's horrible but it is indicative of where our hearts can be that it, it does indicate where we often can drift to Yep. So we'll wrap it up there. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you'd like to make a comment, if you find us on uh, Facebook, leave a comment there. You can also share this with your friends, have discussions over it, um, like it, subscribe to it. And as Jeff mentioned at the beginning, if you have a question you'd like us to answer as part of this series, you can email us at questions at generations.email. Have a great week. May God bless you. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.